you done now? Oh, Brad, what have you done now? Hey guys, Brad Gilmore here from Back to the Future, the podcast. And if you're out there looking to rent a DeLorean time machine, well, let me tell you the number one place to do so. That's DeLoreanRental.com. DeLoreanRental.com. They have the DeLorean time machine all across the United States from Los Angeles all the way to NYC and even a few in the UK, Germany, France, Italy, and adding more cars daily. Check out their packages online to see what would be your best fit for your event. And I'm talking, man, if you need to go to whatever it is to have a DeLorean, if you're looking to rent a DeLorean time machine for a birthday, corporate event, wedding, anniversary, or party, whatever it is that you're looking for, just go to DeLoreanRental.com. Again, that's DeLoreanRental.com. It's the one-stop shop and place to get a DeLorean time machine for your special event do it today. Don't run out of time. Hit that book now button on DeLoreanRental.com to get a quote. Again, DeLoreanRental.com. That's DeLoreanRental.com. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where we're going, we don't need roads. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time with the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and boy, what a couple weeks that we've been on. You know, um, I uh, started writing this book. Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. It's out on all online retailers. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, Apple Books, IndieBound, backfromthefuturebook.com. If you want to hit me up in my DMs, at Brad Gilmore on Twitter, I will sign it and send it to you if you want to buy it that way. But when I started on this journey, y'all have heard me on the podcast for years, and I, I didn't think that... Um, I never thought the book would come out, and then the day that it comes out, Leah Thompson's on the show, and you you heard her say this. And and for people who don't know, I'm a part of this group, uh, the Movie Trivia Schmodown, and uh, it's kind of like a, a movie trivia wrestling league, and I have my, um, not wrestling, but it has a wrestling element. People have characters and whatnot, and they call me the boat, the best of all time. But now, because of this, I have a new name. Oh my God, you're my dream boat, for sure. I'm the dream boat. <laughs> Because Leah Thompson says, listen to this. Oh, my God. It's you're Leah my Thompson. dream boat, for sure. I mean, does it get any better than that, guys, as a Back to the Future fan? I mean, when she said that, this is how I felt. <laughs> if you could feel like an air horn, that's how I felt when she said that. But um, we had her on, and then last week we had Don Fullerlove, Mayor Goldie Wilson on the show. Crazy, crazy. Last episode, I should say. And I thought that that's where I was going to put a button on season six of Back to the Future, the podcast, because it's like, how do you top that? And then, like this film always seems to do, there was more Back to the Future news. Back to the Future news broke during the week when Ryan Parker of The Hollywood Reporter talked to Bob Gale, co-creator of Back to the Future, co-writer, and... um he got an inside scoop off a question that a lot of us have had. And during my recent press run for this book, I've gotten a lot is how do George and Lorraine not recognize Marty when he comes back to the future? Because we just saw him as Calvin Klein and they knew him as Calvin Klein. And he went back 
and you know he was he's the reason they got together so how does how did they not recognize their son looks exactly like this guy calvin klein people have always said this so i was actually on a show last week called live at the roxy with roxy stryer and we got a question in from larry lease was his name and here was that clip from me and Roxy. Uh, Larry Lee's also said, did Marty's parents recognize him from the past and know that he time uh, he had traveled back and met them in 1955? Uh, yeah, this is this is this is a common question though. Yeah, I, I hear it often too. But for me, this is this is what like think about how many people you met in high school, right? How many people were around? Do you remember the random person who came in for a week during your high school tenor? And then left and you never saw them again. And then 30 years later, you're like, oh, they kind of look my, I don't, I'm not, I don't remember anybody I graduated with. I know no one except yeah. for the, the five or six people who I spent time with. I couldn't tell you who I went to high school with. And he obviously went to a large high school. This was not a like little 15 person class private school. So right. come on, give him a break. I saw, I just think that, you know, they forgot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I just think that they forgot. And so this is what I said. I said, you know, he's, he's, he was around for like a week at their school they didn't really know him you know i mean they didn't and then they came and gone and i remembered like people would always come everyone remembers like someone new came in the class halfway through you talk to them a little bit they're around and then they leave and you know you don't ever think about them again um there's so many people i went to high school with i just don't even remember anything about them uh, let alone what they look like and i'm in a facebook social media age so anyway that was my answer and then this five perfect movies debate started happening. And the question came up about, well, Back to the Future is a perfect movie except for this major plot hole. So then Ryan Parker, who's going to be our guest here in a minute from The Hollywood Reporter, reached out to Bob Gale and he got a resolution to this question. Bob Gale himself reported on it. And I reached out to the Ryan Parker on Twitter, Ryan Parker, the man who got the answer from Bob Gale, and I talked to him today on the podcast about getting the call and what Bob Gale said was the reason Marty is not recognized as Calvin Klein by George and Lorraine in 1985. So without further ado, we're going, we're going strong in season six. So without further ado, here he is, Ryan Parker talking about his conversation with Bob Gale and the subsequent story that blew up the internet. And brother, does it get heavy. Here's Ryan Parker now. And he joins us now on the show, Ryan Parker, the senior staff writer for The Hollywood Reporter. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited, man, because you... You, uh, you're no stranger to breaking news and, and having the, the internet <laughs> abuzz, but, um, but you recently had a, a pretty big story. A, a Back to the Future plot hole was, was filled because of, of, of you and, and talking to Mr. Bob Gale. I want to get there. Uh, so just give us a little background on yourself, though. I know you're with The Hollywood Reporter. You've done a lot in this space. Just give us a little bit of background. Uh, sure, yes. I, I've been with uh, The Hollywood Reporter for, uh, geez, coming up on five years now, and before that, I was with the Los Angeles Times, and before that, uh, I was with the Denver Post. So, uh, been in the business for well over a decade, and just having a great time. Absolutely love it. Now, I want to break down the story here in a second, but but tell the people what are some other things that that have gotten you, uh, 
I don't know, have set the internet on fire that you've been a part of? Jeez. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a great question. I am trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, um, a few years ago, I, I got an interview with Rick Moranis, who hadn't done press in many years, and I was able to do an awesome profile on him that um, people really seemed to enjoy, and I became the Rick Moranis guy for a while there. So that sort of helped get me you know, some credibility within the industry, I think. Absolutely. I can't wait. I hope I'm hearing that he actually might come back to do something with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, he is going to be back for that. His uh, first time on the big screen in many years. So it's very exciting. Oh, we're all excited for that. But this so Back to the Future obviously is, is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And there was this age old discussion that happened on Twitter. I think it was started by James Gunn. Tell us exactly how this happened. Was it was it this five perfect movies thing that was going around the Internet? That seemed to be the case. Yeah, the, the five perfect movies list that people were uh, getting trending, you know, their personal favorites to watch while in quarantine, which led to a bigger discussion among directors and actors and, you know, film enthusiasts of just, well, what makes a movie quote-unquote perfect? And so that, of course, got into a much bigger discussion. James Gunn pointed to a number of movies that he said he loved that weren't necessarily what he would consider a perfect movie. And he mentioned Back to the Future is one that could be considered perfect, but that the debate over exactly the ending, you know, could be an argument for why it's not necessarily that perfect. Now, I know that you know, you got to sometimes keep keep the journalistic integrity and not take sides here, but I feel like this is one that maybe we could break that a little bit. Do you think Back to the Future is a perfect movie? In my personal opinion, it's absolutely a perfect movie. I have always just, adored that movie and anytime i get to write about it i am just elated yeah i mean i think that they, they knocked it out of the park and and you got to do something that was real cool so there was a debate going on and the actual uh debate was at the when marty comes back after 1955 and his parents get together because you know crispin glover's character george mcfly knocks out biff and he stands up for himself the enchantment under the sea dance is saved um the the plot hole seemingly was why do his parents in 1985 not recognize Marty McFly as Calvin Klein? Now, I think this is something that people have talked about forever, obviously. did Was this something, because you consider a perfect movie, was this something that ever crossed your mind, or did you think about it for a second and not really care? Uh, it crossed my mind just because it is, you know, fun to sort of debate it, and it makes you think, you they have their own personal experience, and I know that it's even been fun of, like, on Family Guy so we had to get some sort of resolution on this, and you had the idea. You actually spoke to Bob Gill. You reached out to him directly. Is that right? I did. I reached out to him directly. I've known Bob for a few years now through various stories that I've gone on Back to the Future, and uh, I just figured that he'd want to weigh in. One, I knew he'd get a kick out of it because he just loves when people have a good time with his films. And uh, also, I just thought maybe he'd want to set the record straight once and for all, and uh, I got lucky. I mean, did you think that, because here's the thing, he's had to have heard this a million times, right? He's had to have heard this forever. Just as long as he's heard, how are Marty and Doc friends? I'm sure he's gotten, how did George and Lorraine not recognize Calvin? Did you did you think that he would be as, I don't know, forthcoming as he was to finally end this debate? Uh, I had a pretty good feeling about it. He and I have have a pretty friendly relationship. I guess you could say we're, we're pen pals, so to speak, and uh check in every once in a while I always wish him a happy birthday and I've spoken to him for other stories so I thought I had a pretty decent chance of finally getting this answer out of him 
So you, you reach out to him, and he says something that I – it was actually something that was crazy, Ryan. I was on a show last week, and somebody asked me this question while I've been talking about my book, and I said something very similar to what Bob Gale said, but he, he essentially said, hey, they was around – Marty was around for six days in high school, and how right. many people do you remember? Is that essentially what, what it broke down to? Basically, that that's right. He said six days, but then he asked me to make it eight just – because he wanted it Saturday to Saturday because he thought that somebody might catch that. So I had to update my story with him noting that. But anyway, that, that's essentially what he was saying is that, you know, think back to you being in high school, you know, 16, you know, 18, 20 years ago, you only met this person, this kid for a week that, you know, how much would you really remember just little tiny things, but not to not enough to think that, oh, my gosh, this is a time traveler and it's the same person. And, and I think that that's kind of logical because I don't know about you, but when I think back to my high school class, I remember like six people out of 900. Oh, I, just, sure. I barely remember anybody. Sure, sure. Well, he made it a point to note that, you know, we're talking about no social media, no, you know, no nothing like that. It's just strictly your memory. So it, it made total sense to me. And when you published the story, I'm sure you had some sort of idea that this actually might, this might blow up. Did you, did you think that it'd blow up to the extent that it did? Because... Any YouTube channel that you turn on that talks about movies, any website from Nerdist to on down that covers films and in and, and this genre, they've all ran the story. It's been a topic of conversation. Did you think that it would get this much attention? Uh, I had a pretty good feeling about it. I, I, I knew that I had gold uh, because I know that everybody just loves that movie. Or that Maybe not loves it, but you know everybody has heard of the movie almost everybody has seen the movie and fans of it just cannot get enough of it. And I knew that this was a huge question that was out there. And the fact that there was finally an answer, I assumed it would go over fairly well. And after the story broke and kind of went everywhere, did you, did you talk to Bob again? Did he reach out and say, wow, I mean, I, I didn't expect this or did y'all have any conversations afterward? Uh, he reached out to me and he said that he, he enjoyed the story and he asked me just to note that to make it, you know, eight days instead of six, just because he knew that, there was going to be some fans who say, wait, doesn't he know him from Saturday to Saturday? But, you know, that was it. I I'm sure he had an idea that this was going to be uh, a, a thing. He he's well aware of how much people just love those movies and how they just love talking about them and how we're, you know, talking about it right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's coming on the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future 1, the very first film. Um, why do you think, though, out of out of all your experience in in Hollywood and and being around these movies and you see a lot of movies come and go and they seem like a big deal for a minute and then they kind of fizzle out. Why has Back to the Future been timeless? It's I mean I guess no pun intended with that, but it just seems that <laughs> no generationally it doesn't it doesn't matter um, if you were born in the eighties nineties two thousands. I watched the movies with my nephews who were nine and seven a couple weeks ago and they're obsessed. Why are these movies so timeless in your opinion? I think it just resonates for folks on many different levels and, and many different ages. I mean, when you watch it when you're younger, the idea of time traveling is just so neat. So that alone is one thing. As you get a little bit older and you become a teenager, you start to think of your parents slightly differently and wonder what they may have been like when they were teenagers. So the idea of going back in time and meeting them and seeing if, you know, were they really as good as they said they were? Were they really as bad as they said they were? You know, who, who were they really? is a terribly fascinating idea. And then as you become older and you're an adult, you know, it's all about family and your kids and, you know, hoping that you did the best job to raise them and that you were your best person. And I feel like that film touches on all those major cornerstones. 
I think that you actually just hit it right on the head there. Um, and, and it's something when you're a kid that that time travel just fascinates you. Um, do you remember when did you see the movies in theaters? Did you stumble upon them you know, on cable somewhere? When did you first see Back to the Future? Oh, God. Well, I was born in 82, so I was pretty young when the first one came right. out. But I definitely saw the second and third one in the theaters and absolutely loved them. But I remember watching the first one on VHS and just being absolutely enamored with it. The idea of time travel and just loving Doc and Marty and that relationship. And the music was so much fun that even as a little kid, I just was just totally involved. Okay, I got a couple more questions for you here, Ryan, then, then we'll let you go. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today um, about Back sure. to the Future. Ryan, again, he he broke the story. He filled the plot hole of, of <laughs> you know, why did George and Lorraine not uh, recognize Calvin Klein slash Marty when he came back to 1985? We have Ryan Parker on the phone. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Parker. But um, if you had the time machine, if you got the DeLorean, if it pulled up to your driveway right there, right now in Los Angeles, California, you got to go in it and go anywhere. You're going forward, you're going back. Where are you going? Uh, uh, back. I'd go back. I think I'd like to go back and see the 50s. Uh, I'm a huge Sinatra fan and, and seeing Sinatra perform in Vegas or, you know, seeing the Beatles live uh, in the 60s, you know, something like that. Seeing, seeing a big act, seeing Elvis, I think would be just terribly fascinating. And I'm right there with you. There's this show, I think it was in St. Louis, Missouri, with the Rat Pack and, and Johnny Carson. And there was a live album of it. And I've always wanted to go back and see that show in person because they were just, it seemed like they were having the, the biggest fun time in the world. Um, and then f the movies. You said you, you didn't see the first one in theaters. You saw it later on VHS. Two and three you saw in the theaters. For you. Where do you? How do you rank these movies? Because for me, as as a huge Back to the Future fan, obviously you got to put one on the pedestal. But my list changes constantly. Sometimes I like three the most. Sometimes I like two. Uh, you know, they, it changes constantly. For you, do you have a defined list of of how you would rank these films if someone asked you to, like I am right now? You know, it's funny because I have to agree with what you're saying. When I was a little kid, I think I liked two the most because I was so. Uh, infatuated with what the future could be, you know, ooh, flying cars and self-fitting clothes and, you know, just crazy hoverboards, you know, that just seemed so neat to me. But as I got older, I really appreciated the first one the most. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the messages. And I just remember being just so devastated when I thought Doc Brown was dead and so relieved that he actually read Marty's note. And that still to this day gets me a little teary-eyed uh, at that part. So that's, that's definitely got to be my favorite. It's got to be, man. That, that first one is just, they hit it out of the ballpark. It was a grand slam right out of the gate. And the second two, I mean, are phenomenal as well. I love all three of these movies, obviously. Um, now, we talked about Rick Moranis coming back to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's going to be in the new one. A lot of talk mm -hmm. always online about a Back to the Future sequel. Famously, the Bob's uh, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis, that is, say, over their dead bodies. It's not going to happen. Um, where do you sit on that? Would you would you like to see another Back to the Future story? And I say this, and, and people who've heard me know this is my feeling on it. I didn't think, when I saw that Ghostbusters, the all-female Ghostbusters, I went in with an open mind. I'm like, hey, a new Ghostbusters movie. This is going to be awesome. I didn't like it. Sure. And then I thought, hmm, man, is this going to ruin you know the palette for a Ghostbusters movie? So I went back and I watched the original, and I still love the original Ghostbusters as much as I did before I saw that film, so it didn't take anything away from me. In my opinion, the worst thing that could happen is if there's a new Back to the Future movie and it's great, we have more Back to the Future. If it's awful, I never have to watch it again. You know, for me, I, I really don't think that there will be another one, and, and I really don't want there to be. It's not that I don't think that the actors couldn't play the characters and they wouldn't be as amazing as they were. 
I, I totally believe that they're all phenomenal. And I think that they could absolutely do it uh, if the opportunity presented itself, but I don't, I don't really want it. I, I think that those movies are classic and they're timeless as is. And, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they've all made it pretty clear that they're of the same mind. And I totally support that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, the thing is, I'm not rooting for one, but I'm not rooting against it either. If it were to happen, I'm yeah. going to go into it with an open mind, right? Um, but again, sure. you you finally answered the question that all of us around the world have wondered forever. You got the answer. The Ryan Parker on Twitter. Um, anything, anything else? Anything that you'd like to promote or plug while you're on here with us? Uh, no, just uh, the the Hollywood Reporter. Um, it's a it's fantastic publication, and we're often doing, you know great breaking news and huge investigative pieces and we just run the gamut and have some tremendous talent so i just encourage everybody to check it out all right well that is the ryan parker on twitter ryan thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much take care that was ryan parker from the hollywood reporter i want to really thank ryan for his time uh, taking time out of his schedule to talk to us here on the podcast about back to the future and what he found out and here's the thing guys it's kind of crazy, but Bob Gale and I kind of said the same thing. And I, this is the first time he's talked about it, at least to everyone's knowledge. To my knowledge, I've never had a conversation with Bob Gale. And it's funny because a lot of times with these movie franchises, there's always these theories about this, theories about that. Oh, maybe it was, you know, if you go down the Star Wars, there's all kinds of crazy fan theories. And rarely do you get a resolution to any of them. And what's funny to me about Bob Gale's answer to Ryan Parker and millions of Back to the Future fans' question about why Marty's unrecognizable to his future parents is literally the most simple answer. Hey, he spent a week with them in 1955. It's been 30 years, and they hadn't seen this guy in 30 years with no photo reference, with no social media, you might say, hey, uh, you know, Lorraine might go, uh, George, you know, uh, it's kind of weird. You remember that Calvin Klein guy who played that weird music at, uh, at you know, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance back in the day when we met that night? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't Marty kind of look like him? And then all it would take is for George to say, uh, no, not really. Well, Lorraine, not really. I have terrible George and Lorraine impressions, <laughs> by the way. Um, and and then that's the end of the conversation. They never think about it again. Now, um, I'm, I'm sure I saw other people talking on Twitter of like, well, she calls him Marty back in 1955. They end up naming their son Marty. Don't you think that he'd be still more recognizable? I still, yes, yes. I think that they remember Calvin Klein. I know I said uh, maybe they forgot, but I meant like they forgot what he looked like. They're not thinking about, oh, Marty looks exactly like Calvin Klein from 1955. They remember him for sure. They have to remember him. He is the reason they got together. They named their son after him, essentially. They just liked his name. So, of course, they remember him, but it doesn't mean that they remember exactly what he looks like. And it, it, maybe Marty in 1985 has a passing resemblance to him. And they think about it maybe for a minute and then they go on about their day. But I just think it's the simplest answer is my point. The simplest answer, guys, is always the easiest one. Hey, but make sure you go check out my book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. It's available in hardcover, audiobook, 
Kindle, Nook, you know, ebook, however you want to get your ebook, you can get it there. Again, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, IndieBound, uh, Audible, Apple Books, Back from the Future, Book.com. You can get it anywhere in those areas on those retailers. So do it. Do it now. I do it for you. My name is Brad Gilmore. Some people call me the boat. Some people say, Oh my God, you're my dream boat for sure. <laughs> this is Back to the Future, the podcast. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and we will see you again in the future. Oh, Brian, what have you done?